What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and if he was in goal against Union Berlin, Bayern would have won 1-0. It's Lewis. Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing there. But yes, we do have a nice little host of topics for you today, starting with the Premier League, where we are going to talk Leicester City. Rock bottom, haven't won a game yet. What is going on there? These guys were always at least midfield of the table, if not challenging for European places. What is going on in Leicester? Then we're going to have a look at Billy's favorite topic. It's VAR and officials just missing call after call. Then we will also do a little transfer roundup where we will have a look at all the blockbuster trades that went on this season. Obviously, some of them, aka Erling Haaland, have been known for a while, but deadline day was pretty eventful. Then we will swing over to the Bundesliga, where we will have a look at goalkeepers having the games of their lives against Bayern, namely Zoma and Renault. Gladbach doing what they always do and dropping points after playing against Bayern. And Freiburg, top of the league. When have we last seen that? And then we will round off with Frankfurt v Leipzig and just Leipzig's horror start to the season. What is going on with Domenico Tedesco and the... I'm just going to say it, Red Bulls. We all know that's what RB stands for. It's not Rasenballsport, it's Red Bull. Let's be real. But all that and more right after this. Okay, let's let's get into Leicester because it's it's more or less just a it's I was about to say it's just it's just a shit show from from start to finish, isn't it? It's not just the way they were absolutely demolished on Sunday by Brighton, you know, Brighton having a fantastic start to their season. You say that they they should be up there and that it's a, a shock that they're down where they are. But I'm going to I'm going to give you two two bits of information here. The first one is letting Kasper Schmeichel go to Nice without a suitable replacement because yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. The goalkeeper that they've they've decided to stick with is Danny Ward. Uh, Danny Ward's been around for ages and has never really established himself as a Premier League number one. So what in the coaching stuff, what, what makes Leicester think that it's going to suddenly happen now? Because he was at Liverpool when Mignolet and Carrius were making mistakes left, right and centre. Yeah, If he was any good, he would have been given his chance. I was about to say, we have a look at what happened in Liverpool. Uh, what was his name? Kellerer? Uh, Quiver Kelleher, yeah. Yeah, there you go. He was an unknown quantity and Klopp still gave him a chance. And it actually proved to be, you know, not a complete grab in the toilet. So it's not like Danny Ward didn't have the chance if he was good enough. But yeah, I don't, I don't get it because at Nice... I mean, in all honesty, Schmeichel was probably just thinking, yeah, Nice, Cote Azur. It's a nice place to finish out your career, play some play some football, have have some okay players in that team. You know, you still have a have a have a Dante in there, you know, at center back. One of the one of my favorite, favorite players ever to wear the Bayern shirt just because of the song he wrote after the triple winning season. But yeah, you have you have a couple players in there. You've got a coach with some experience in Lucien Favre. I guess for Schmeichel it made sense, but I really don't know why. You know, because Leicester are a well-run club. Decisions like that don't speak for a well-run club. No, and I've done some I've done some talking to people who support Leicester, and. A common theme has come up. So King Power, the people that own Leicester, yeah. are a duty-free company. You know, the, the company, you know, the, at the airports and things like that. Yeah. So during uh, COVID and all that, when people couldn't fly, they lost a lot of money. Oof. So they're now recuperating that, but there's still quite a bit to make back. So the common theory is that they're not putting as much money into Leicester at the moment because they physically haven't got it. 
which is not you know uncommon because we you know we've seen clubs take hits because of the covid pandemic anyway this is just another form of it it's not the club itself that's taking the financial hits although i don't doubt that leicester city as a club also did take a financial hit during the pandemic but if their investor also takes a hit then yeah we're seeing the effects of it now because you know you've got players who are leaving even though you're saying you know Kasper Schmeichel he was he was one of the one of the key figures in that title win he was one of the he has been one of the key figures for Leicester since the promotion to the Premier League when you've lost that and you've got yeah you know Yuri Tielemans seemingly wanted out he's he's back playing now that the window's shut Wesley Fofana practically went on strike yeah, I was I was about to say Fafana is also, you know, one of their big, big players. And then he's gone. I mean, he's obviously he's he's brought in some money, which is much needed for Leicester. Yeah, but it was uh, like two or three days before the deadline. And they didn't bring oh, yeah. any they didn't bring anyone else in. Like, you know, you, you know, but what I'm saying what I'm saying is that they probably needed that money anyway to, you know recuperate some of the other losses and not necessarily stick it into the squad but then here's my question do you think we'll see a transfer offensive at least a small one from Leicester during the winter break or is the winter break just is there no point or I have Leicester basically are they resigned to just basically trying to stay up in the Prem this season I think they have to to be honest um because you replace Kasper Schmeichel with Danny Ward and you bring in Alex Smithies on a free from Cardiff. And then you replace Wesley Fofana with Valt Face from Stad Ream. Okay, fine. You know, people turn their nose up at Leicester when they make these signings. But Solonchu turned out to be quite good. Wesley yeah. Fofana, very good. You know, so Valt Face could become, you know, one of the best centre-backs. But, you know, he's not played yet, so we won't actually no but look they've they've scored eight goals they conceded 16 you know and they went yeah. ahead against brighton they went ahead against southampton and lost both of them they played better in the second half against united but you know they when see, you, yeah jamie vardy's not firing yeah they, they seem not to have the legs basically to see you know the win till through till the end because they've obviously shown that they can, if they're going ahead, they've obviously got the skill and they still have the team to score. It's not like that's not happening. It's just the fact of they seem to go to pieces around, you know, what, the 60th minute? And it just kind of unravels. Well, I mean, the, you know, it was 2 2 at half time against Brighton and then just the second half just completely. Yeah, see, even earlier, even earlier. Like, like you know, the, the legs just completely went. But. I've got my own opinion on this, but I want to hear yours first. At what point do you go, okay, because the, the manager is the expendable one, let's be honest. At which point do you go, Brendan, it's not working? It's hard because I'd say that Brendan Rodgers has definitely shown that what he can get out of that squad. And if we're being honest, it's just down to the fact that Leicester have lost big, big players and key players over this over this transfer window that's just that's just the long and short of it i think to make brendan rogers the scapegoat for it not working out because they've let some of their key players go is you know for lack of a better word is just crap but on the other hand it's down to a manager who you know if if you as a manager are faced with this with this responsibility a very good manager still manages to turn around and say all right i'll do it with the squad i've got so it's that you know it's that double-edged sword if you will i i think it's unfair but at some point yeah you might have to but i think anything before like i think i think the you know around christmas january that transfer window is probably the only good time to do it because if you wait too long then Leicester dig themselves a hole potentially but yeah sacking a manager mid-season is always a gamble isn't it so I'd say they give a minimum till 
till Christmas. But after that, yeah, you have to start asking questions because if half a season goes by and nothing changes, then yeah. Because the one thing he hasn't done is go down the Scott Parker route, who incidentally became the first Premier League manager of the season to get the sack. But Also that, un, undeserved, well, in my opinion. That's the thing. It wasn't just because they lost 9-0 to, to Liverpool. It was because he was publicly criticising the transfer strategy and the ambition of the club. Well, then which, obviously, yeah. Which Brendan Rodgers hasn't done. But football is very reactionary. You know, we both know this. Maybe if a manager yeah. doesn't deserve to get the sack, they, they still will because people, you know, the powers that be upstairs, they react to something and they'll go, oh, okay, well, we've got these managers who are available. I mean, looking at yeah, the but moment, I still it's think, a yeah. fucking bleak list at the moment. You know, you've got Scott Parker, who I don't think would go straight back into a job at the moment. Sean no. Dyche. Big Sam. Oof. It's just not... They could get Pochettino, but that's just not going to happen. I was about to say, Pochettino is... You know, he's not going to go to a club who... You know, all credit to Leicester, but it's a step down if you've already been Spurs manager and your last job was PSG, so... Because it's not... Well, I mean, you know, the, the back the back four yesterday... Uh, not yesterday, on Sunday against... Brighton, Brighton was, was yeah, a bit like, you know, James Justin and Luke Thomas are good enough in their own right. But when you've got Wilfred Ndidi, who's not a natural centre half partner, I was about to say this guy was this guy was they they went and brought in Ndidi to basically plug the hole that was left when Kante went to Chelsea at the time. He's a he's a centre defensive mid. Yeah, he is. But you know, people like uh, Tielemans, Barnes, Madison, Dakar. They're not bad players. Oh no, Ian Acho as well. Uh, but you know, they've got Aston Villa on Saturday and Ouch. Ouch. You just can't see it happening, can you? Nah. Even though Aston Villa didn't have the greatest of starts. Well, again, well that could be, you know, we, we say it a lot that could be El Sakiko. Because Steven oh Gerrard, you know, they did draw with Manchester City. Credit Which isn't where, a bad result, no. Credit where it's due. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, just, you know, are, are Leicester going to get relegated? They keep going like this. Yeah, they will. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take a crystal ball to see that they're right now, they're doing worse than every single club who was promoted. It's not even, it's not even funny at this point. No, it doesn't make for good. You know, they, they haven't you. won a single game. Even Nottingham Forest have more points. You know, Bournemouth have minus five goal difference worse than Leicester and are a solid seven places above them. It's not fantastic. Well, let us know on Instagram and Twitter what you think will happen to Leicester. Will they get relegated? Will Brendan Rodgers steady the ship or will a new manager come in and rescue them from relegation? Now let's move on to, like you say, my favourite topic. I've got a couple suggestions to to fix it, but let's talk about the uh, the shocking VAR and officiating mistakes. I was about to weekend. say because yeah, this weekend was just packed full. I mean it it doesn't take. We we've said it time and time again, and I feel like the Premier League has an even worse track record than the Bundesliga maybe does um, when it comes to VAR decisions. Just not going the right way but you know the premier league right now is just becoming a showcasing of how not to do var i mean not that it hasn't been doing so in the last couple seasons but this season just seems to be especially bad Uh, look okay we'll get into specific examples in a minute because there was two absolute howlers on saturday you just shouldn't be like those are those are decisions that just should not be like the, the errors should not be that bad. No, you know these these are professional officials, and I think they they said in commentary, said in analysis every single time. If you slow it down, it looks worse. Okay, but yeah, everything does. Okay, and we use the Edward Mendy 
Jared Bowen won the West Ham Chelsea in the West Ham Chelsea match. As a, that as was a... such a shocker. I should never, ever, ever ha- be happening. So he he spills the ball about five or six feet. Right. So he, he doesn't he doesn't have control of the ball. Jared no. Bowen jumps over him and brushes his shoulder with his trailing leg. It's not it's not his leading leg. It's not like he's kicked into him. And Edouard Mendy's gone down like he's been shot. Maxwell Cornet's equalised in like the 92nd, 91st minute. And then VAR has taken a good four minutes to go, uh, yeah, um, that's a foul, by the way. That doesn't count. That's not a foul. I'm sorry, but even if someone's lying on the ground and someone jumps over him on the pitch, let's just say it's in midfield. That's not a foul either. No one looks at that and says, oh yeah, it's a foul because when he jumped over him, his trailing leg hit the guy who was lying on the ground. So for that to be called on a goalkeeper, who, by the way, spilled the ball in the first place. Like, it's not like he... <laughs> mm. it's it. Not taking away from the fact that Menu's just having a shocking season so far. I mean, more howlers committed this season than you know, in the last few combined. David Moyes and Declan Rice were very vocal about it afterwards. You know, David Moyes called it shocking. Declan Rice said to just, you know, if it's not going to help, get rid of it, which he has said a couple times now. I don't it's, think it is all he can say without getting fined. Yeah. I don't think he can. I don't think we can get rid of it. I think we've, we've come too far the other way. Oh no, it, but, we can't. That's, that's the big, big issue, but you have to then, for instance, I feel like that that one thing that's that many people have said is get an ex-pro to be sitting there with the officials who can basically look at it from a different perspective. The only problem there might then be, you know, the ex-pro then, you know, having one issue and then the the official sitting in the in in, in the van basically saying, "No, I've got a different issue." And then you've got, you know, two people with uh with different opinions on the same play and then the referee also standing there so that might actually lead to worse things but i'd still advocate for the fact that you know someone else has to be looking at these at these uh incidents it's it's unreal because well, the amount of, the amount of the amount of crap calls being made and you know it shouldn't be taking 4 minutes for someone to look at that and then decide because if you're taking that long to decide well, let, let me just remind you of the, of the key words and phrases in, in the use of it. Clear and obvious. If it's taking you four minutes, it's not clear and obvious. They're looking no. and you're looking for something to, uh, to rule that goal out for. You shouldn't be looking. So I've got three little things that I think would, would make it better. So the first one on timings, 90 seconds. You have 90 seconds to talk to Stockley Park and make a decision whether you're going to watch it again on the monitor. Yeah. Or, you know, not, you know, you've got 90 seconds for Stockley Park to say to you, oh, I've seen this or I think it was that. Stockley Park shouldn't be refereeing the match. They're not there. They should no, that's, be helping yeah. make the decision. The, yeah, that's, that's, sorry. This is, this is one of my main issues is the fact that, and they've been saying this in the Bundesliga as well, it seems like the VAR is actively looking for something to be wrong. Like there were a couple of goals that Bayern got discounted, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Take the one or or also take take the five minutes it took VAR to basically disallow Mane's goal against Wolfsburg. Even though it was two. even though it was the most offside thing. Exactly. Even though it was the most offside goal ever. Like it's it was plain as day. You know, it shouldn't be taking that long to be double checking because, you know, if it's taking that long to have a clear cut call like that being made, then either the officials are shouldn't be doing that job because they they aren't experienced enough or they don't know the job that well. Or the technical issue is so big that officials, even though they're professionals, cannot make a decision quickly. And then you have a massive problem. And you know it, it's it's goals being counted offside. Where now 
you know, the lines being drawn aren't just, you know, oh yeah, he's got, you know, half his half his foot offside. It's half a toe being counted offside. You know, if if the officials aren't looking at it and it's and it and if you if you look at it on the monitor and it's not a clearly wrong call being made, as you said, why do we have to take another look at it? Why? At this point, it's just VR saying, you know, okay, there has to be something wrong with this call. Oh, what every goal being counted, players are barely celebrating anymore because they think, I mean, this is getting checked for v for offside anyway, even though I was a mile onside and I scored from 25 yards out. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I use the, the Rashford goals against Arsenal as an example difficult to celebrate those in the moment because there is a possibility that it'll just be called back for offside yeah whereas before var the flag would go up yeah so you know i, I want to know your uh your opinion on, on my second one and i i've said it so many times you know i was, it was one of my i was a big advocate at it when we spoke about it uh uni and things like that when it was first introduced similar to rugby Mic up the referee and let people at home hear the conversation, the back and forth between the referee and VAR or the TMO, yeah. <clears throat> which it is in rugby, and let the fans on the big screens, if they've got them, see the replays. Because at the moment, all we get is the VAR checking possible offside or possible penalty or something. No, I think I think that is that is definitely something that they have to do like you know officials in the nfl for instance they literally have to turn on a microphone and announce to the whole freaking stadium what the call was doesn't matter if it's the wrong call at least you know what the call was and what is being and you know the the reasoning for it you know, at least there's something clear that you can see and the whole world you know, if they're just doing, if they're just shying away from this just to protect the referee from, you know, not getting abuse from the fans, I'm sorry, that's going to happen either way because the calls are, that are being made are just that bad. At least have us give, have us, you know, know what the, what the, what the reasoning is, because then you can literally just see, oh, his reasoning for this and this call is absolutely crazy. Why is he refereeing a match, for instance? Or the reasoning behind that call should really make us rethink, you know, this and this rule. You know, the handball rule is being abused again, and it makes no sense for, I don't know, the 15th time in the last two seasons. It, and it's, it's things like that, you know, where you have to, if you can at least figure out what the reasoning is, like in rugby, like in the NFL, at least you can see what the thinking and the logic behind it is, which might make the situation less volatile than it actually is right now because if you look at the replays everyone sees the replays post-match it's not like the fans are not going to see these these images at all they're going to see them at some point let them see it in the stadium yeah I, and the other one the the other really bad one was at newcastle where joe willock the, who plays for Newcastle was uh, essentially pushed into uh, the Palace goalkeeper Vincenzi Guaita by a Palace player, and the goal was disallowed. Um, and Newcastle have been given assurances by uh, PG is it PGMOL, the uh, the refereeing officiating board. I think it's PGMO or something. Uh, they've been given assurances by them that the VAR system that caused that issue um, will be improved in three months' time when Howard Webb becomes football's first chief refereeing officer. This being Howard Webb, who, wow. yeah, okay, hundreds of matches as a Premier League referee, uh, failed to send off Nigel de Jong. I was about to say, that was my World Cup for a, a kick to the chest of one Shabby Alonso. So I'm not too sure. Yeah, no. I'm sorry, but when you look at when you see things like that, <laughs> if Nigel De Young had done that to Shabby Alonso's head, 
Alonzo had probably been carted off in a stretcher, blood streaming down his face. The fact that it goes to his chest. It... I think it was okay, more we're the getting fact... into, we're getting off topic here, but yeah. Long story short, if a referee misses that in a match and he's supposed to become the guy who fixes VAR, I feel like Howard Webb plus VAR is just going to lead to more shit. Fair enough. Um, uh, I was right. It's the Professional Game Match Officials Board, PGMOL, uh, and they have like they they've held their hands up and said both those decisions were wrong. Okay, but which, the problem which is, doesn't is that... help West Ham and it doesn't help Newcastle. Exactly, because now you're going to start like it. The only fair thing to do would have been to give the goals in hindsight, but then you're going to have like then it's going to open up a whole new arena. You know, tampering with with uh, match results after the fact. Um, yeah, if you do that, you set a precedent, and every club will then go, "Oh yeah, but." we should have had a penalty, a clear penalty that wasn't given. So yeah. award us that and give us one goal rep retrospectively. It's like... I've got, yeah. a, I've got a little suggestion, by the way. Like in the NFL, and I believe it's also in rugby, have challenges to calls. One so team... like, like Hawkeye in tennis? Yeah. What are we saying? Like... You get two and a half? Exactly. Two or half or three for a whole match. And basically you can use them all and you can challenge specific calls. Okay, but uh, okay, I think it'll be more similar to cricket. So who makes that call? Is it, the, is it like cricket? Is it the captain that makes that call? Or do they wait for the coach or the manager to go, yeah, we'll have that one, please. I think, in all honesty, the, to to expect it, you know, I'm sorry for uh, by all means, but cricket is not half as fast paced and is not half as fluid as football. If you're going to let the captain on a football pitch make that decision, there are a lot of calls go that are going to be, you know, what mm, I don't know if he should have he should have really gone for that. In all honesty, I still. Depends. Also depends where the captain plays because if it's a centre back and or a goalkeeper, or a goalkeeper, and they're appealing a penalty decision, they won't have. The I best don't know view. about that one, Chief. Exactly. No. Plus, plus, you know, nowadays you even got one guy sitting there with an iPad right next to the manager who has a direct feed of the match and of all the replays, and is also getting commentary into his ear from someone sitting up in the stands, who's also on the coaching staff. They should be making that decision on the on the challenges all day. Yeah, I look. It's difficult, but let us know how you would fix VAR. I think we'll put a uh, put a post out or a story on Instagram and uh, ask for your suggestions, and we can talk about them next week. So let us know. And uh, now let's quickly talk a little transfer roundup for both leagues before we dive into the Bundesliga. And uh, Hell yes. a little bit of breaking news just this morning. So I don't know whether you saw this, Lewis. Um, obviously, Sasha Kalidic signed for Wolves. Yeah, I already saw that yesterday. We uh, we had a little bit of a little little bit of a meltdown because we had to restructure one of the transfer topics. But I'll let you uh, break that. Yeah, he uh, he signed for Wolves from Stuttgart, and in his debut match against Saints, he has. He's done his ACL. And uh, they're trying to get Diego Costa in, our Wolves, but the work permit at the moment has been rejected. So we'll uh, we'll stick with that for any uh, developing stories. But if they could get him in in time for the Liverpool game... Be massive. Would imagine be massive. having that shithousery against the seemingly anger child of Darwin Nunez. There's going to be punches thrown. I was about to say, Darwin Nunez needs to calm the fuck down, man. Like, I don't know what what goes on in the Portuguese league, but he loses his head about five times a match, basically. Doesn't matter if he's, you know, on the bench because of a red card or he's actually playing. Either way, he's lost his head way too many times for the fact that we're only about five or six matches into the season. That's true, but if, if there is any 
manager who can get it through to him, it'll be Jurgen Klopp. But let's talk deadline day, my boy. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I want to start with one of the, uh, the, the the deals that I didn't see coming. I think a lot of people didn't see coming. One Manuel Akanji to Manchester City. See, How, I, I was why? saying, that, yeah, I, I was saying, I was saying this to to a couple of friends at work. That really just screams that meme where you've got Big Bird in with a bunch of you know army special forces trying to breach a door. You know, you've got. <laughs> And Akanji just is that big bird. Like he's he's a this is we're talking about a center back who last season was part of one of the worst Dortmund back lines in the club's history. And you know, Dortmund went and bought two center backs in one transfer window because they were like, you know what, we need better people at that position. What made Manchester City officials think, ah, oh, you know what? Good backup would be Akanji for uh for our center back position. I'm sorry, but Akanji's the number four choice center back, if not like number five in that squad. You got so many, he just doesn't go. You got so many players, you know, of a top caliber, and then just Manuel Akanji. It just just so out of place. I don't know what. Like, I'm I'm sorry for all the hate towards Akanji. Like, in his right, he's he's a decent center back, but I'm sorry, he's just not Manchester City level. Well, he turned down the contract offer that Dortmund gave him because he wanted more money. After the season he played, should be lucky that he's getting a contract extension. Well, Manchester City have offered him that and then some. Yeah, money does but, uh, speak volumes, doesn't it? You know, it? the injury list alone for Dortmund, yeah, would be a massive red flag. You know, we don't say this very often about Manchester City and their transfer dealings, but what on earth? I was about to say a club run as well as Manchester City has been run. They still manage to make signings where you think where you're scratching your head. I mean, you have to say you have to, you know, put it into perspective. Obviously, since Pep Guardiola came in, they spent over a billion in transfer in transfers. And transfers like these don't really leave you scratching your head as to why. Because they've just shelled out a substantial amount of money for an okay Bundesliga level player. Well, I think the last thing to say on Akanji is uh, as long as he's better than Martin De Michaelis and <laughs> Javi Garcia. He's not, he won't be the worst centre-back in, in Manchester yeah, he, City history. He won't be the worst defensive player that City have ever had. Uh, I think, obviously, you know, Liverpool signed uh, Artur on loan be a very good UV. signing, you know. It could be, but I'm still convinced that that swap deal between him and... Pjanic. Pjanic between Juventus and Barca, some sort of money laundering scheme. Oh yeah, you know he, he was he was in like the top one or top two of Juventus midfielders last season for like progressive passes, pressing. So he's a good good midfielder because Liverpool's midfield at the moment is seriously lacking. I, I was about if, to say if and you it doesn't play, help that Thiago's injured. No, it doesn't. They they massively miss him. When he's injured, which seems to be more often than not, yeah, at the moment. But you know, you can't play Fabinho and then Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho. You need that extra experienced head in there. You know, yeah, Car Carvalho and Elliott are both very good players in their own right, but I don't think they can both play in the same system. I mean, also missing their captain Jordan Henderson, obviously. You know? Nah, that's not a massive miss. He's such a mid player. Yeah, but I'd say that, you know, he's captain there for a reason. Well, you know, Manchester United, that... Manchester United are missing their captain, Harry Maguire, and uh, we've won four on the spin. So, well, here's, uh, I have a counter offer to that one. Oh, Harry Maguire getting the captain's armband was the biggest mistake ever made. <laughs> 
it's fine. I love it. In uh, all of Anthony's, like, uh, when he shares other people's posts on Twitter or Instagram, he's called Bruno Fernandez captain about seven times now. And, ha- and Harry Maguire, he just put, cheers. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry, but Harry Maguire is just a player who just shouldn't be playing at United anymore. I'm sorry. Look, okay, he's he's a good defender. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and and lay into him. The system we play doesn't suit him. When he plays for England on the left of a back three, he's fantastic. Which is why I really didn't want him to go to Chelsea because Chelsea play a back three. Can you okay, imagine but- him alongside? Koulibaly. Koulibaly and whoever it would have been. Let's call it Azpilicueta. On the left of that back three next to Mark Kukurea. Everyone would have gone, oh, he's England's best centre-half. Like they did at the Euros. But let's. this isn't a Harry Maguire thing. I want to talk just briefly about Southampton. Uh, because they've signed a lot of players from Manchester City. Because their new uh, head of recruitment used to be at Manchester City. Well, yeah, obviously you take you take players from the system that you know put out a couple of titles. Yeah, they, they all have, I think it's around £40 million buyback options. So it's... Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the funniest thing was uh, Romeo Lavia, the central midfielder, signed for Southampton from Manchester City. And after he completely bossed uh, Chelsea last Tuesday night. Apparently, Chelsea tried to buy him off of Southampton for fifty million. Low, which is spectacular. Buy them. Well, literally, if you can't beat them, join them. But they've bought uh, Gavin Bazunu, the goalkeeper, uh, Romeo Lavia, uh, Juan Larios, and they've signed Samuel Idozi as well. So they're they're good players. Yeah, but uh, they're not that well known. And if I'm being honest. Yeah, but they they've been playing really well, and True. then you part you partner that when you've got Joe Rebo from Rangers, yeah, uh, and they've also bought Armel Bella Kotchap from Bochum, and they they're going to partner him with Duja Carletta Carr from Marseille, who not too long ago was being linked with the likes of Arsenal and Spurs. It's not bad business from a club who you know, if we're being honest, we don't expect all that much of. You know, a club that's done business like that and some of the fans still want the manager to get the sack. Yeah, okay, but we've been through this. The Spurs fan base, I mean, the the Saints fan base isn't really reasonable. But yeah, the Spurs fan base as well. Yeah, well, uh, let's quickly talk Chelsea before we move on to some Bundesliga stuff. And I've got that, that fun little story to tell you that I wanted your uh, blind reaction to. Oh, yes. Billy Gilmore's left to go to Brighton permanently. Which is um, a good move for him. He would not have played for at Billy Chelsea. Gilmore. You know, not too long ago, he's being touted as, you know, the next big thing for Chelsea. Eh, uh, that's they, that's they, a far-fetched thing to be made, to be saying because, I'm sorry, so many players have gone down the tubes at Chelsea just because yeah. of the culture there. I mean, remember that one season where they had more players out on loan than they actually had in their squad? <laughs> yeah, they, they were all in the group chat as well. Jesus Christ. Uh, but they've Chelsea Loney's. They've signed a Bamiyang from Barca, who currently That's a can't good move play. because they needed. They, I'm sorry, they needed him. They need. They needed a striker. I know you said that he's probably not a good bit of transfer business just because he can become such a problem in the dressing room. But as a short-term fix for Chelsea's problem, up top, he was the best option. Oh, yeah, massively. Massively. Um, you know, he can't play at the moment because of a broken jaw, but that won't be too long. And I've had some people ask me about Dennis Zakaria, who they've got on loan from Juventus. Not bad. I wouldn't say the thing is, I I didn't get the move at the beginning when he left for Juventus in the winter because Zakaria at Gladbach, he had the best chances of becoming or of being a starting midfielder in a very very talented squad he goes to juventus where he was probably benched for the whole for or for the entirety of his time there 
And now he's going to a team where arguably he's only going to get playing time so long as Kante is not in the starting squad. Well, yeah. It's a, it's a difficult one, but they, yeah, there's one two players who have been at their respective clubs six months. So, you know, uh, before we move on yeah. to Bundesliga, I just want to tell you about Bamba Diang. The Marseille striker who uh, Marseille had agreed ten million pound fee for him with Leeds. Um, mm-hmm. He was sat on a private jet in an airport somewhere in France, and Nice came in with it <laughs> with an offer. He then rejected Leeds, Love went that. to have his medical at Nice, failed his medical at Nice. <laughs> He's now back at Marseille and he's not been included in their Champions League squad. So a whirlwind 24 hours in the life of Bamba Diang. Talk about, you know, decision-making gone wrong. This is almost as bad as the time Peter Odenwingi drove from uh, from West Brom down to QPR. So from the black country down to London to try and force a move to QPR, which then didn't go through. You can't, you can't knock his commitment. That's one thing you cannot do. No, you can't, but it's quite funny. Well, should we just continue with the transfer roundup in the Bundesliga? Oh, because, go on then. Oh, go on then. Because I'm not going to lie, with the likes of Amin Adli being injured at Leverkusen, Callum Hudson-Odoi, last minute, loan, not a bad bit, bit of business for Leverkusen, who have been struggling. You know, they've also got Florian Wirtz out. And we, as we know, Callum Hudson-Odoi has been played across virtually the wings and center attacking mid, all of which at Chelsea. And he just never got the chance to do so full time. You know, we finally see him in the Bundesliga after he was linked with Bayern a few seasons ago. And that move didn't go through because at the time, Frankie Lampard went to Callum Hudson-Odoi and said, I'm going to build a squad where you're going to be part of the team. Three seasons later, I bet he wishes that he had gone at the time. I bet Chelsea wish he'd gone at the time as well. Because, yeah, they were, they were, say, they were putting his, uh, his, his transfer fee at $77 million. Honestly, yeah, right. Nowhere, not worth that at all. Especially but... when we got Leroy Sané for 60 and that includes bonuses. Exactly. Who, English tax doesn't work when it's a cross-country transfer. You can't just tack another 30 million onto the top of the price. I was about to say, you can do that when it's an English club asking to buy, but you can't do that yeah. as the English club because everyone knows the only reason they have to pay that much is because they have so much more money, which I think is only fair because in comparison to the rest of the Euro- or to the rest of Europe's top five leagues, the amount of money in the Premier League is insane. So I think it's completely fair that Premier League, the all, blah, blah, blah. I think it's so. I think it's completely fair that all Premier League clubs have to pay an extra ten to thirty million, depending on which player it is. I think it's completely fair. Yeah, I, at least you get to see him in the Bundesliga now, which you know. I was about to say he didn't do badly either against uh, against Freiburg. It wasn't like he, he had a pretty solid debut. There we go. He played very, very well. I'm just trying to think, and we'll we'll do this for the for the Premier League as well in a sec. Uh, who would you pick as the transfer of the window for the Bundesliga? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's going to be one of the Bayern transfers because it's just it's got so much more. There's just so much more pull. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's a hard, it's a hard sell. I'd say arguably Mane because he just seems seamlessly integrated into that team without any problems and picked up where he left off basically at Liverpool and just started scoring. Yes, yeah. I know that in the last two matches it's been kind of a drought, but he's been do he's still been been quite the transfer. I think after that. You know, it depends. De Ligt might be 
he he might become that guy because he obviously still needed some time to get back up to the fitness level that Bayern had, which I saw still thought was extremely funny because he said he got he went through one Bayern training session and said it was the most strenuous training session he'd ever done in his life. And we're talking about a guy who just come from Juventus. So should just uh, tell you something about the Juventus training sessions then. Um, but yeah, transfer of the Bundesliga window, I'm probably saying Mane. What would you? Yeah, I'd, I'd struggle not to give it to Mane. I think my second choice would probably be Jordan, uh, who plays for Union now. He's come from young boys because he's, you know, four appearances, two goals and two assists. It's not a bad shout, you know. It's not It's not a bad shout. Uh, the other one would be the Frankfurt player. Oh, I've forgotten his name. No, I haven't. Uh, my other one would be the Frankfurt player, Randall Kolomuani. Oh, Kolomuani, yeah. You know, we've not got... I know why. You know, <laughs> he's, he's got two goals and four assists. Uh, and Leipzig could not live with him. I think that's the funniest thing. You know, just give some players the chance that they deserve and then they might actually surprise you. Or not surprise you. Then they might actually just be able to... Or if the player is finally given the chance to prove what he can do, then he might actually show you he's worth it. Like, and uh, before we move on to the main Bundesliga topics, what about the Premier League? I think we're going to be pretty... Uh... Oh, that's not even... That, uh... Clears it by a country mile. It's Erling Haaland. He's already scored. He's already set up a record. Well, he's got ten goals already in six games. In six games. Uh yeah. I I think if if you're arguing that it's not, you probably want your head checking. Uh, second would, in my opinion, be Gabriel Jesus because a lot of people when yeah. he went to Arsenal, will said, "Why have you paid that?" I think he's kind of shown why he's paid that because he's playing in a different system now. At Arsenal that, that he can showcase his abilities yeah but uh yeah i also also can i just throw in there that both Lewandowski and erling haaland left the bundesliga and now have even better goal scoring ratios than they did in the bundesliga so farmers league who are we the farmers well uh go. funny you should say that but let us know who uh your signing of the window would be again we'll put out a post on twitter and on instagram and we'll talk about them next week but let's talk about the bundesliga unless you have something else to say i'm sorry we have to go through this but a bunch of fines were handed out for financial fair play infractions barcelona was not one of them yeah because they sold the the soul of the club they haven't actually done any they haven't dipped into into their uh, ffp limits yet because they keep selling off parts of the club. I realize, but that should they need that's why we need to rethink the financial fair play BS because I'm sorry, a club like Barcelona who base there should be some ruling in financial fair play that basically excludes selling off every single bit that you can of that club. They barely registered their new signings because of, you know, not even financial fair play infractions, but of La Liga infractions. Look, we we could get into this for like a full two hours. Um, I just don't like Barcelona whatsoever, which is why I also thought it was really funny because I watched the uh, the Figo documentary all about the move from Barca to Real Madrid, and it actually made my heart sore because I was just like, that club deserves it because they run just so freaking poorly. And uh, long may they be battered by Bayern Munich in the Champions League. But now, <laughs> Lewis mentioned that uh, Haaland and Lewandowski have a, a better goal return after moving to other leagues. A lot of people said the Bundesliga was finished after the first match week. But Bayern, oh, aren't, hell top, no. Bayern aren't top anymore, are they? I'm trying to figure out which topic right now we can uh, segue into best because there are a few that we named. Um, but yeah, let's go with Freiburg because Freiburg just, 
last season they were close to making it into the champions league spots they now have europa league which is great for that club you know they sold out all of their home matches in an instant um it doesn't get much better than that but yeah freiburg top of the table 12 points five matches 10 to 5 goal difference not a bad return you could say and especially from a club who in their first five matches played dortmund and leverkusen Yeah, the Dortmund game was a bit of a uh, an anomaly. Yeah, a bit of a disaster for them because obviously you know, yeah, you know, the, the wheels fell off in an eleven-minute spell. But I, looking yeah. at their fixtures, I can't see them losing or being, you know, really well tested until match day ten when they play Bayern. Uh, maybe against Gladbach. But, but other than that, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you on that because Hoffenheim, no, Mainz, no, Hertha, definitely not. Bayern, yes. Werder could be a good scrap. Schalke, no. Köln, mm. Leipzig, not in the way they're playing at the minute. Union could be a fun one, by the way. My boys are coming good. But yeah, I'd argue that they take points. I'd argue a draw against Gladbach, a win against Hoffenheim, win against Mainz, win against Hertha BSC, which means they're not losing. And even against Bayern, Bayern have shown that if you take the game to them, there are some points to be made. Maybe not a win, but a draw. So I don't see them dropping points, really. Possibly against Union Berlin. It's a difficult one because. I think a lot of us expected this season they drop off. I think Christian Strike, I, 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 I definitely thought last season was his peak. You know, I thought he'd he'd reached all he was going to reach last season. But and now they also, yeah, also with the three competitions now, that's all. That's another added. You know. It's it's strenuous over the over the course of the over the course of a season, and it doesn't matter how many players you get in. They definitely got in a lot of players because they realized they had to have a you know more squad depth. But I'd still argue that you know three competitions instead of two is a big difference and a game changer. So you know the fact that they're up there right now, solid. Well, we uh, we wait to see how long or if they can sustain it. But uh, you mentioned it in the intro, that uh, goalkeepers have the games of their life against Bayern Munich. Why do you think that is? Because I've got I've got a theory myself, but I want to hear your thoughts first. I don't know. Basically, you want to show that you can do it against one of the best clubs in the world. Is my only... That's, that's the only explanation I have right now. But, you know, Jan Zoma, he sent up a Bundesliga record with his 19 saves uh, the other week. Um, yeah, okay. okay. Before, before we talk other goalkeepers, I've got a little bit of a, of a bugbear about that. Because some of, those, some of those I could have saved. Like the P-rollers, you know, from 30 yards, where he just sort of bends down, picks them up. That's not a save. I think there should be two separate definitions of a save if you, okay if you, if you bend down and can pick it up that's not a save that's a we'll call it a gather well i've definitely uh still seen goalkeepers bubble those so well uh, bob green <laughs> i'm sorry the wounds have been opened but um yeah Paul robinson yeah um oh that takes me back to world cup 2006 jesus Please don't. But uh, no. Yeah, uh, but I it, still it say, the, you know... It was the Renault, Union goalkeeper as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Renault, Renault also had a the time of his life against Bayern. And, you know, we've now got two matches on the spin where Bayern have not only dropped points, but also failed to make anything of their chances. You know, we had... We even had Matthijs de Ligt doing... You know, or going up top in the final minutes against Gladbach, and he's got 
a pretty good shot on him if I am if I'm being honest because he definitely uh forced Jan Zoma to make a couple of good saves but you know it's it's a fact of now you've also got Bayern dropping points because of good goalkeeping and you know if more goalkeepers could do that it, because it's not like Bayern didn't play or they didn't create chances because they did they peppered Gladbach's goal and against Union they also had a couple of good very good um chances and you know if you've got a solid goalkeeper there or just a goalkeeper who has the day of his career it could mean Bayern dropping points right yeah so uh my theory with this is so uh, on average in the Bundesliga how many big games would you say Bayern play a season big games so as in games where they could actually you know where it's where they're not expected to have a you know a three to four nil dusting yeah you know uh tough games or or like showcase games i'd argue obviously dortmund leipzig leverkusen under normal circumstances frankfurt also under normal circumstances yeah five or six so what are we saying about five or six teams we'll call them showcase games yeah gladbach definitely up there because gladbach have notorious have been notoriously good at taking points off Bayern in recent seasons. You know, last season, Bayern didn't have a win against Gladbach. Well, my argument would be that every time Bayern play anyone else, it's a showcase game for the other team. Not, yeah. that, not that I'm, you know, bigging up Bayern or massaging the ego for Bayern, but it's just how it is. No, that's no, but that's that's that is that is just the way it is because all, I'd say it's the same thing in the Premier League when any team plays Liverpool or City. That is the biggest game of the season for them. Uh, come on, you're missing you're missing a couple there. Come on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm you know sorry. Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Yeah. Fine. No, no. No. Fine. Whatever. I was fishing for that, and you weren't going to give it to me. I'm sorry, Chelsea. Chelsea and Arsenal definitely not. Uh, I, I'm there. It just is the fact that Liverpool yeah, no, City, it, it is. Yeah. It is the fact you know players it's almost like you get that extra 50 percent exactly and you're and you're playing and you're playing against the best players in the world well that's the probably the reason let us know what you think why do goalkeepers always seem to perform when Bayern come to town and uh, we'll finish quickly with uh, something that everyone in germany i'm sure loved and that was uh leipzig getting a spanked a thorough spanking at the hands of Eintracht Frankfurt come on who doesn't love that was not expecting it either no because if we're being honest you know Leipzig they gotten Gulashi back in goal and they don't have a bad team they don't have a bad manager but something is definitely wrong in that squad at the minute because they're not performing up to normal normal Leipzig standards. If they play like that in the Champions League, Jesus Christ. Oh, they played like that uh, this evening at the time of recording. They'll probably lose to Shakhtar. Yeah. But, I you mean, know, Mohamed Simakan, Willy Orban and Josko Gvardiol. Those aren't bad defenders not by bad. any means. Danny Olmo is now injured again. It doesn't help. So, you know, you've got the likes of Dominic Sobosloy. And hasn't Fort. really... Ever since his move from Salzburg, he hasn't fully exploded. No. Uh, you know, you've got the likes of Emil Forsberg, who who has said he's having to take a, a squad role these yeah. days. But then you've got Nkunku, Werner... You, the likes of Andre Silva on the bench, like David Raum, yeah, it's not a bad side, and it can't be down to Domenico Tedesco because they they completely changed when he came in last season. Yeah, it's I mean it was a noticeable difference between Tedesco and Marsh at the at the at the time. So it was, 
I, I'm I find it hard to believe that there is that big of a problem. I mean, something is going on, and there is something massively wrong because we're talking about a club la- that last season finished top four quite comfortably, and they're now three points off the top ten, and literally they're two points above relegation playoff. But you know, it's not going to be that bad because there are no, but if it... worse teams below them, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm I'd argue placed. that. Teams like Freiburg and Union could overtake them. And at the end of the season, Leipzig maybe get Europa League if they're lucky. Yeah, something needs to happen. You know, something needs to click for them. And it's not like they've got an entirely new squad. This is largely the same team that played so well at the back end of last season. Yeah. With the exception of uh, Angelino, and the, arguably they got an even better player for that in David Rome. I, uh, yeah, look, the central midfielders don't excite me at all. You know, Kevin Campbell, no, can't stand, and maybe Conrad Lima had maybe his head was already out of the door because Bayern I was about to say because for him. yeah, because Bayern wanted him for so long and now obviously one Zabitza decided to turn up and do what he promised to do when they signed him at the beginning of last season um Ryan Gravenberg has shown that he is definitely the midfielder of the future that guy is going places and already you can throw him into the squad now and he will do you know at least the the minimum of what is it what is expected of him and that's saying a lot at Bayern um and then obviously Goretzka and Kimmich I don't in all honesty see Konrad Leimer making the move to Bayern at this point they just because they don't need him no but you know they have got Amadou Haidara and they have signed Abdou Diallo who can play in those sense I know I know Diallo's move came a bit too close he was on the bench I don't think he was ready to play no, surely him over Kevin Cam- Kevin Campbell's awful. No, I never understood why he why he got so much praise anyway. And also, the guy has you know, just alone for his hairstyle, he should be benched. I was gonna say um, the man plays as bad as his hair. Yeah, you know, T- Timo Werner is what what is he now? One goal away from a hundred for Leipzig, which it sounds weird, but that no one's reached that for them. But they are about. Well, they've only been in the Bundesliga, yeah. They've only been they've only been around since two thousand and nine. So you know, so it's still a big achievement. Yeah, but you know, I don't know, Benj. The decision to let Nordi Mukiele go to PSG, where he's not going to play. Yeah, Benjamin Benjamin Henricks is okay, but Nordi Mukiele. That right wing he did play a couple he has already made some appearances for PSG. Yeah, would knock the, that but bench, just though. yeah i know but he he's yeah but to let him go without replacing him properly because Henrix is okay but he's not he's a national he's a german national team player man oh yeah but come on man yeah okay he's not he's not starting in for germany either is he yeah i know what you mean so well there we go and we can't discount this result as uh, Leipzig being bad because Frankfurt played fantastically well. I think Mario Goetze rolled back oh. the years. We're talking like 2010 to 2012. Yep, Dortmund, Dortmund times before, you know, pre-Bayern. You know, uh, I say Randall. pre-Bayern, but at Bayern he didn't do badly either. No, I think he just didn't fit with the style that, you know, you had, played, you, had, yeah. you had a lot of managers in that period. Yeah. Uh, you know, Randall Kolo Moani slowly becoming one of my new favorites. Uh-huh. I think the only downside would be the injury to Sebastian Roder. Yeah, because he just is that perfect squad player as well. So even if he doesn't start, he can make a difference coming in off the bench. Yeah. You know, they brought on Eric and Ebimbi. Not a clue. Yeah, no. I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, but yeah. You're missing a, a rock in that midfield. They're probably good enough elsewhere. But it says a lot about Kolo Moani when he's keeping out uh, Rafael Santos, Bore, and Lucas Alario. Oh, yeah. 
So that speaks volumes. It could be exciting times for the Europa League champions. One thing before we wrap up, just because I talked about it in the intro as well. Gladbach pulled a Gladbach. The minute they play well against Bayern, you can guarantee they drop points the match afterwards. <laughs> uh, happens Which every time. Which I felt time. also that, you know, Daniel Farke, in the post-match interview, he was he said, you know, yeah, we had a lot of things go against us. Obviously, the red card, you know, maybe we were we have to be a bit cleverer there, and he doesn't, you know, pull his kit as last man. But, you know, we had a lot of stuff going against us, and, you know, we still played really well. Like, bro, you lost 1-0 against Mainz, and you got a, your players sent off after you took points off of Bayern in the current form they're in. No. <laughs> just no there's, there's no excuse that is just so bad see look as good as the gladback squad is daniel farker will still be the first manager sacked in my opinion because that's a big shout because i still think that he's definitely turned that gladbach squad around oh, since i know he's just uh, look look the you've own... seen him when he was at norwich i'm sorry norwich <laughs> <laughs> Any manager gets the sack because that club is just a yo-yo team that go up and down. That's not the measure that you can, you know, put up for a for a, for a manager. That, I'm sorry. It's my only point of reference. Okay, I still yeah. think he'll be one of the first to go. Oof, that's unless, a big shout. Unless Wolf, Wolfsburg decide to uh, pull the trigger again. Oh boy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's all that we have time for this week. Yeah, so let us know if you think Daniel Fakir will be the first to uh, get the sack. But as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for daily updates on all things Premier League and Bundesliga. And also make sure to check out our previous episodes for a good laugh and all the insiders on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And as always, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.